I am honored to be here. I am not a guest. I am family. Uh, the Scribners are family to me. Uh, I don't even know how many years we go back, but it's a, it's a lot. We got hashtag, we got history, okay? So um, I'm, I'm not just a guest. However, anything I say that you don't like, just hold it against me. Don't hold it against your pastor. And come back next week. If you did like it, tell your pastor to have me back. If you didn't, then don't worry. I'm just a guest, okay? So you get the best of both worlds. Jeremiah 29. If you have your Bibles, go there with me. And right before I read, I, uh, I need to say something, almost uh, a disclaimer, and, uh, and really a message of, to prep you for the message. What I'm about to say over the next 25, 30 35, 40, 50, 55 minutes. I promise you, number one, it's something that I've lived, I've experienced, and I know that God's not a respecter of persons. I know if he did it for me, he'll do it for we. But you're going to have to lean in, and your mind is going to have to be stretched. How many know your mind's like a parachute? It's no good unless it's open. Right, And if it's not, you die. (laughs) Wherever you go, your thoughts are going to go there first. So some of you, when I tell you what I'm about to speak on, if you didn't already hear about it in the lobby, you're going to have a a tendency, a temptation just to tune me out and jump on Facebook. But for the ones that lean in, lean in and learn, I promise you what your life looks like now will look nothing like this in the future. And I, I want to say, I want to say the near future. So Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, welcome everybody watching online. And again, we honor the pastors of this house, Joel and Jennifer. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, for I know God's speaking here, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And then watch this, we read right over this, plans to prosper. Somebody say prosper. You and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future because God really does want more for you than from you. I want to talk to you for the next few minutes on the thought God wants to prosper me. Turn to somebody and say, I don't know about you. It's only for believers anyway. So if you don't want it, I'll take yours. But God wants to prosper me. You know, on the cover of my book that I'm not selling, by the way, you can only get them for free today, and we'll tell you how to get one in a second. Um, I put my picture of my beautiful family. I am biased. Uh, all of them love Jesus. All of them serve faithfully. I, uh, next Tuesday, a week from this Tuesday, I will celebrate 25 years of marriage with, with uh, my wife. And, but I put their picture on the cover of this book, because this is what prosperity looks like to me. Prosperity goes way beyond just money. However, we have a tendency to say that as if money's not included, okay? We think and we worry and stress out about money all through the week. It's the number one killer for divorce. Of course, there's backstories, I'm sure, too, but the number one killer for divorce uh, we base our decisions on it. We base on where our kids are gonna go to college, not where we want them to go, but where we can afford to go. 
We, we base our vacations not on where we want to go, but what can we afford to do. Uh, we, we base our, uh, some of you are basing lunch on not what you want to eat, but what, what you can afford to eat today. And we spend time worrying about it and stressing about it, complaining about it, talking about it, and, and fighting and fussing about it when the whole time God has the answer in this book. But we want to put a muzzle on the preacher and say, if you talk about money more than about 60 to 75 seconds in this service, you must be all about getting my money. And the answer is in the house of God. The answer is in the word of God. He wants to prosper me. He wants to prosper you. And if you're like me, the minute you hear that word prosper or prosperity, the walls go up. I, I know for me, I grew up in church, um, a great upbringing. I love my family, love my mom and dad. But man, I grew up, if you're grinning, you're sinning. If it was fun, it's wrong. And, and just very legalistic and, and very, you know, uh, no wonder I didn't want anything to do with church. And, and I can be cynical. Listen, I, I remember the, I, the humor of God as I'm talking to you about this subject today, when I'm the one that used to turn TBN on just to make fun of the people on there. I'm just being honest with you. The Christian TV, I remember one time hearing a preacher on, on a Christian television network say, somebody's watching me from a bar right now. Listen, guys, in my BC days, I spent a lot of days in bars. Christian TV ain't on in the bars. I'm just telling you, just trying to help, help a brother out. And, and so I would get cynical too when I heard the prosperity gospel, the prospering me, you know, what do you mean God wants to prosper me? God wants to bless me. Well, you know, so we hear the, these stories of preachers flying around in jets or living in mansions or, or whatever. And so we get turned off. We think that's the prosperity message. When the reality is the Bible says God takes pleasure. Psalm 35 verse 27, he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children. In 3 John 2, he said, above all things, I would that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. We just read Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans what? To prosper you. Did you know there are 2,350 scriptures about money, possessions, or giving in the Bible? Did you know Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven and hell combined? And I'm going to tell you before I go any further, I don't get a cut of what comes in today, okay? My, my honorarium's already decided. Pastor Joel's not going to get a little bump, little bonus if you give a little extra in the offering. There's no cutbacks. There's no, or, 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 or you know, under the table stuff, you know? Uh, there's no weird stuff going on. This is truly, in fact, I'm not even selling the books today. I got some dream own books, I think, for sale, but the prosperity books, they're, they're going to be free to you today, okay? So this is authentic wanting to really take a generation of people to a whole another level because when you get free in your pocketbook, when you get free in your finances, you begin to experience freedom in every other area too. And, 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 uh, we, you know, we don't want to say it. We feel like, we feel like we're not as spiritual if we say, yeah, we want God to prosper me. I want God to prosper me. That sounds like you're greedy, but the reality is what you're saying is you want everything God says is yours. Right? If you had a loved one, a rich uncle that passed away and you knew your name was in the will, how many know you'd show up at the reading? right? And you would fight. You'd hire an attorney to fight to get what was yours. Well, you don't have to hire an attorney. You just have to believe. 
And, and so in our reading, the Bible says God knows the plans, which tells me God doesn't want to just prosper me, but he, he has the plans to do so. You know, I got these plans up here. They're architectural drawings. They're plans. And, and when before somebody actually builds a house or a building or any type of structure, an architect first designs the plans, the details, right? And then what they'll do, if you're in construction at all, you know this, they'll give them to the general contractor. The general contractor will then sub out to the other subcontractors, and that's how a house is built. And the, and the deal is, is, is that general contractor can choose to do one of two things. He can build the house according to the plans that's in on this on these sheets of paper, or he can do it his own way. Now, if he wants the product... He's going to, that he sees, he's going to have to build it according to these plans. He can do it his own way, but how many know he's not going to get the results that these plans have? And God said, I know the plans. And in Ephesians, the Bible says he's the master architect. So he draws the plans and puts them in the plan, the playbook, if you will. And, but here's the deal. God's not the builder of your house. Did you know that? God's the architect. But he's not just going to build your house. You get to build it. Now, this is the beauty of God. We're not robots. You get to build it your own way. You can do it your own way, and you can get whatever, you know, comes from that, or you can do it according to his book, and you are promised that above all things, I would prosper you and not to harm. I, I plan, have plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future if you do it his way. Come on, shout his way. Shout his way. Say, I want to do it. I want to do it his way. I'm tired of my way. My way's not working. I want to do it, do it his way. And I'm not assuming that everybody in here is not, okay? But I just want to kind of bring some things to light, if you will. And I'm going to talk about three one, I'm going to spend a little more time on because the other two don't work without the first one. And, uh, but I'm going to give you some principles for godly prosperity, some things you're going to absolutely have to do not to get rich, but things you're going to have to do, you're going to have to apply to your life. And maybe some of you already are applying these, and that's great. Some of you still need to work on one or two or all three. That's fine, too. But number one, the number one key is trusting God initially. Somebody shout initially. Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things shall be added unto you as well. Jesus cares about you having things as long as things don't have you, right? He wants you to have the things. And he said, this is how you do it. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things are going to be added unto you as well. But the key is trusting God initially. And the greatest tangible way we do this is through the tithe. Somebody shout the tithe. In Malachi 3, God tells us if we will bring the tithe into the storehouse, and we're about to break it down in a second, he said, I will open the windows of heaven, pour out blessings on your life, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And I want to break down this scripture in Malachi 3, 10 and 11. And at the same time, I want to kind of answer some misconceptions about the tithe. I don't know about you, but I think I've heard it all on people on why they don't tithe, why they don't believe in tithe and, and everything. Thing. And, and uh, so I, I want to help some people out today. Remember, this, this is not my church, okay? So I'm not trying to get anything from you today, all right? I really do want to deposit something in you that 90 days, 120 days from now, your life begins to take on a whole new purpose, a whole meaning, and it goes to a wholly another level. Are you with me right now? The first misconception, I believe, is when people say tithing is all about money. No, the tithe is not a money issue. 
Listen now, the tithe is a heart issue. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 23, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So God's not trying to get your money. He's trying to get your heart, and he knows the only way to your heart is through your money. Jesus said it, not me. It's a heart issue. Number two, I've heard this. The tithe is 10%. How many's ever heard anybody say the tithe is 10%? The tithe is not 10%. Do I have your attention now? Well, I've been taught, who is this heretic? Pastor Joel's got the tithe. Bless God, it's 10%. I've always given 10%. The tithe is not 10%. The tithe is the first 10%. It matters. You're not tithing if you give 10% after you pay the bills. It's not like God's up there trying to figure out how he's going to repave the streets of gold. One thing God has never said is OMG, okay? He's not up there trying to figure out how am I going to refinance the mansions today? I sure hope that person in the third row gives today. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. It's not, it's not like he's paying a light bill. Okay, you're not paying a payment. You're not paying a bill. It's a trust, okay? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It goes back to a heart issue. If I can trust God when I can't trace God, eventually I'll trace God because I've trusted God. It's a trust issue. It's a heart issue. Some of you, this is painful to take because you, don't, you have no idea what God's about to do in your life, but it's not gonna come until you step out and trust him. It's the first 10%. It's not just a 10% to pay a bill. It's the first, okay? It's all about trust. Faith is the currency of heaven. So how many know you, don't, you can't buy a miracle with your money, right? But you do buy miracles with your faith. According to your faith, you're healed. According to your faith, you're free. According to your faith, you're restored. We put all this pressure on God, and God said it's by your faith, not me. Faith moves God's hand to move. How many know our tears don't move God? Our tears move God to compassion, but our faith moves God to action. So we have to trust him when we can't trace him. So the tithe is the first 10%. I've heard this. God's asking for 10% of my money. How would a loving God do that? I'm already trying to struggle to make ends meet. God's asking for 10% of my money. No, that's the, that's the misunderstanding here. God's not asking for 10% of your money. God's asking for 10% of his money. And she don't even like it. She's crying already. Some, some of you are crying about this. I get it. I get it. I get that. I understand. But God's not asking for 10% of your money. It's not yours. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. It all belongs to God. You, know, I, you don't understand. I got the blood, sweat, and tears to prove. I, I have worked for this. Who do you think gave you the blood, sweat, and tears? Well, you understand how mine, my mind is brilliant, Pastor Richie. Did you know with one second, your mind can be, your life can be a vegetable laid up in an institute somewhere or in a hospital and never to be able to think again? It's the Lord that gives you power to get wealth. It's the Lord that gives you the ability to make that paycheck. It's the Lord that gives you giftings and talents and abilities. It's not mine. It's all his. And he said, all I need is for you to give me 10% back. And I'm telling you, if you can trust me at this level, no, I I have seen nor ear heard nor mind conceived what I can do in your life if you will trust me at this level. Say amen, somebody. Uh, another myth. Have you ever heard this one? I can't, maybe you're here today. I can't afford to tithe. And somebody said, well, I can't afford not to. And that's true. I can't afford to tithe. But now let's think about this for a second. Don't shoot the messenger, okay? I'm trying to help you. I can't afford to tithe. You ever heard anybody say that? 
Maybe you're in here today. Say, Pastor, you don't understand. Let me see my, you see my budget here. I don't yeah. Think about what you're saying. I can't afford to tithe. That means you're so close in your finances that you don't even have 10% margin. In all due respect, what you're doing is not working. And it might be you can't afford to tithe because you're not tithing. What you're doing is not working. I'm not, I'm not being disrespectful or ugly to you. I'm just saying, if you just said it, not me, you thought it. You didn't say it, but you thought it. I can't afford to tithe. And can I say this too? Tithing is not something you have to afford to do. That's the beauty of the tithe. God said, I want to give everybody opportunity to build the kingdom. And I want to give everybody an opportunity to trust me so I can do more in their life. So the 10% is for everybody. So it's not like, you know, a friend of mine uh, was, was actually hunting with a guy one time and the guy said, do you know how much my tithe would be if I actually tithe, if I gave 10% to, and this guy already gave a million dollars to the church. And my pastor friend looked back at him and said, yep, I know how much your tithe would be. The same as a single mom on food stamps, 10%. It's all 10%. So it's something that everybody can participate in. And how many know if you made $20 this week, you got two. Now, you may have went out and overextended yourself trying to keep up with people you don't even like, right? And keeping up with the Joneses and finding out they, they refinanced. That's the reason they're in that position. Come on, you know I'm telling the truth right now. But it's not because God's asking for your 10%. It's because you got a high car payment. It's because you're living in a house that you can't afford. It, 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 Well, I, I give as I feel led, as I feel led. That tells me you're an emotional giver and you better be careful because you can let Brother Wonderful or Slick Willie come in here and take all your money because you're emotional. I promise you, and I'm not trying to be like arrogant or anything, but I got some sermons that I wouldn't do it for that reason, but I could get your money. I got videos that would make you cry of showing kids in the huts and jungles in Africa that haven't eaten in weeks. And you, ah! that's the Paul, the apostle Paul warned against emotional giving, right? Jesus, God said, I should say in Malachi three, he said, bring the tithe. Don't wait till you get to church and let the preacher preach a good one on money. And then you say, okay, I better do something. No, I, listen, I went to Georgia. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm from Georgia, um, um, so I'm not the smartest, you know, person in here probably, uh, but, but I know how much 10% is. So I don't need to feel God and feel led the next time I get paid. I don't feel led to stay faithful to my wife because how many know if I don't, I'm going to feel led, <laughs> right? And so I don't need to pray pray about, should I do this? No, there's some things I don't have to pray about. If it's God's word, I don't have to pray about it. And God said, bring, don't get caught up in emotionalism and giving. He said, bring the tithe. Already determined if I made $2,000 on this pay period, then guess what? 200 goes to, and do I tithe off the gross or the net? Well, I'm going to tell you this. It don't matter if it's Biden. It don't matter if it's Trump. It don't matter if it's Obama. It don't matter if it's, you know, uh, whoever it is. It, it, the government's not getting my tithe. 
So this isn't a political statement, but I don't wait to get taxed and tithe off the net. I tithe off what God blesses me with, and God gives me abundance of what I need. I tithe on rental properties and different things that I have coming in before I pay the bills on those things. And I'm telling you, God blesses. The question is, how much do I want blessed? I'm preaching really good right now. Well, Pastor Rich, you understand, I tithe to different places. You know, I got this great guy in Kansas that has this ministry. I got this single mom ministry. I got this homeless ministry. And you know what? I give every week, I give $100 to that homeless man on the corner there. And that's great. I'm not telling you not to be generous with your money, but make sure it's your money, not God's. Because God already told you, bring all the tithe. I used to think, well, if it's tithe, it's a tithe. What do you mean all the tithe? What he was trying to say is you don't divide your tithe. Bring all the the tithe to the storehouse because here's the deal I'm generous if I see somebody homeless on the street I always give my biggest bill so if I have cash if I have a hundred I remember one time I went to Atlanta and and I all have is a hundred I was like I am not gonna bring hundreds down here anymore because I always give my biggest bill and there's nothing wrong with that listen well he may buy drugs with it that's his problem not mine okay I'm gonna be generous with my money but not God's. God said the 10%, the first 10% belongs to the storehouse. Y'all ever gonna want me back? Y'all ain't never gonna want me back, are you? Tithing, tithing is Old Testament law, somebody says. You gotta understand, man, that's Old Testament. We're under grace now. And, you know, let me enlighten you. Let me enlighten you. Tithing was not a law thing. Tithing was before the law. Abraham paid tithes before the law. You know, the law of the Old Testament, all the doubtest, couldest, shouldest, wouldest, all the law stuff. It was before that. And, and some people think, well, the New Testament church didn't talk about tithing. Stay with me now, because I think I can prove you wrong. The New Testament church did practice regular giving. Okay, now I can't prove to you yet, I'm about to prove to you, but I can't prove to you yet it's tithing. I can prove to you that they gave. Okay, Acts 2, 3, 4, and 5, the New Testament early church, they gave, you know, generously to people who had needs. The apostle Paul said he instructed us that on the first day of the week, the first, that we are to set aside a sum in accordance with our income. So it was percentage. We just don't know what percentage. You say, well, Pastor Richie, there you go right there. How do we know it wasn't 1%, 2%? Okay, let's think about this a second. All the disciples had for a Bible was the Old Testament. They just saw their leader walk on water, do supernatural miracles, hang, bleed, and die, and wake up three days later. And these disciples were willing to die for this man but they weren't willing to give 10%. I think they'd be insulted this morning if we were talking about that. 10%, my God, we gave 45%. We gave 50%. We gave it all. Are you kidding me? So I think it's important to understand that tithing was not an Old Testament thing. It's a New Testament thing. Say amen, somebody. I'm I'm not going to be much longer on this subject. It's not going to hurt too bad. Jesus never talked about it. 
You know, I've heard people say that. Jesus, not you. I'm giving you things so you can remember why you're doing what you're doing. Because I know 100% of you in here tithe and give 100% to God. And I get that. But there are times that we question ourselves. There are times that we doubt. Should we really? And I'm, I'm a preacher. And I have been thinking before, my God, I could, I could live in the biggest house in Forney if I just gave up my 10%. It's amazing how the enemy starts making you, your greatest enemy is your inner me, the way you think. Jesus never talked about it, people say. Well, I beg to differ. Matthew 23, 23, write it down. Jesus said, Jesus, turn to somebody and say, Jesus said this. Jesus, he said, woe to you teachers of the law, you hypocrites. You give 10%, a tenth, I should say, of what you have, but you have neglected the more important matters, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter, watch, without neglecting the former. That's Jesus talking. Well, well, Pastor Richie, I just don't trust preachers. I don't trust churches. I've seen people do weird things with it. I've seen, I've seen the, the, you know, um, the lack of integrity. And, and I get that. I have too. You understand, I'm a professional. <laughs> I've done this for a long time. I, I have too. And, and here's the deal. If I could give you any kind of clause on getting out of this, I would. But unfortunately for the non-tither, there's no clause for, well, if you don't trust the preacher, if you don't trust the church. And I asked Pastor Joel's permission before I'm, I'm about to say what I'm about to say. Um, I would highly encourage you because one or two things are, are out of order here. If I'm not trusting God with my first 10%, I either don't trust God or I don't trust the church. If you don't trust the church, go find a church that you trust. Because you're not getting out of it. God's not gonna rewrite the scriptures for you and me because it's uncomfortable. Say, well, we don't live under a curse anymore. No, we don't live under a curse that hell can bring us. But how many know through disobedience, we're putting ourselves in curses every day? We're putting ourselves by wrong choices, wrong mistakes. Now, Satan can't. Jesus broke the curse on the cross, right? But how many know we can make decisions and we can make choices in our lives? Last one. Pastor Richie, I've given to God and I've given to the church and it didn't work. I mean, I tithed one time and it didn't work. As if you thought it was gonna be a slot machine. You know, come on. I tried working out one time. It didn't work. Right? That, that's, not how, that's not how it works. It's a consistency thing. But I will help you because some people think, well, I gave many times. I served in the nursery. I changed diapers for Jesus. I, I, I was faithful. I cleaned the building. I, I've done all these things. I gave offerings. I gave hard-earned money to the church for years. And I just don't see what, what, what you're saying. It's just not working in my life. Well, let me give you a couple of things here that might cause the lights to come on. I hope you're receiving this because I'm not trying to get anybody. I really, you know, God's never trying to get you. He's always trying to get something to you. Okay, but for some people, unfortunately, the minute you heard the word prosper, you've been on Instagram ever since. 
you know, but for those that are leaning in right now, let me tell you why we can give sometimes and, and, we, and we don't receive. Well, the tithe is the only thing that opens us. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There, that might be meat in my house. Test me in this. Only place in the Bible God says you can test me. Every other place God's saying he's rebuking people for putting them to a test. But he said, test me in this one. You don't believe me? Test me. And see if I will not, read it, open you. It does not say he's going to open the windows of heaven over you. He said, see if I will not open you, the windows of heaven. We're the windows of heaven, y'all. God blesses us not to raise our standard of living, but to raise our standard of giving. So we, he opens us up. So now my hands are open. How many has ever been offering buckets or passed and you're like, I'm not giving in this offering. That's fine. That's fine. But you've already determined that's the posture of your hands and your heart. So when God wants to bless you, he's blessing but you can't receive it because this is where your hands have been trained to be. But when my hands are open, he, the only thing that opens them is the tithe. Bring the tithe and see if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out blood. If he can get it through you, he can always get it to you. I promise you he can do that. He's faithful and he's righteous and he is, he's someone that you can trust to get it through to you if he can get it through you. But then the other thing is this, the tithe, he said, see if I will not rebuke the devourer. Another word for devourer is a call, A-K-A-L. It literally means to be a seed eater. You find the same word in Mark 4 when the, when the farmer's going out scattering seed and the first seed never even gets to the ground. It's choked by the birds of the air. Don't miss this. In Mark 4, go look at it in the King James or the cow, the seed eater spirit. So have you ever wondered why you've been given offerings and you feel like the offering's not even getting in the ground? It's not. Because if it's not a tithe, it's not rebuking the devourer. There's only one thing that'll rebuke the devourer off your seed, off your family, off your health, off your life, and it's not giving offerings. It's, it's not fasting. It's not praying. It's the tithe. Yesterday, I got a phone call, and then I got a text message from one of our worship leaders' husband, and he was in panic. He said, Pastor Richie, pray for me. Raquel's in a closet locked up in the Allen Mall right now. And I was like, why? I had no idea what was going on. And so I went to dinner and didn't think much of it. And, you know, I said a prayer. I was like, okay, I'll pray for her. I don't know why she wants to go lock herself in a closet. I didn't, I didn't get it. And then I, I found out later that her and about 20 others were ushered into one of the closets and the closet was like, it was like a dressing room. So you could see underneath. And the, the clerk there at the store got them in, saved their life. And then they saw the clerk get shot to death right in front of her. Now, can, can I just say, and, and, and please don't misunderstand this or disrespect anybody that lost their life. But Raquel is a devout tither. 
And she was in there declaring the gates of hell will not prevail. No weapon formed against me will prosper. God, you said you'd rebuke the devourer for my sake. I will live to see my children grow up. I will live. And she was in there naming it, claiming it, blabbing it, grabbing it. You possess what you confess. And I'm telling you, if you'll lock on to what I'm saying, he said, when you bring the tithe in the storehouse, the enemy's going to try to come, but I will rebuke the devourer for your sake and no weapon formed against you will prosper when you put God first. Say amen, somebody. So let's trust God initially. I got a minute and 20 seconds left. Number two, you got to steward wisely. I'm going to go as fast as I can. But you got to steward wisely because I can't give all my money to the church and think God's going to prosper me just because I do that. Okay, I can't blow the other 90% and be foolish with it and think, oh, you know, I'm a tither. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be a poor tither. <laughs> but God's going to love you. You're going to go to heaven, but you're going to go to heaven broke. <laughs> Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 said, it is the Lord who gives me the power to get wealth. It does not say the Lord gives me wealth. The Lord gives me the power or ability to get wealth. God gives me a paycheck. What I do with it's up to me. God gives me a physical body and what I do with it's up to me. God gives me a marriage and what I do with it's up to me. God gives me my family. Anybody get what I'm saying? God gives you the power, the ability to manage wealth, get wealth, um, I, I wrote this down. Uh, we can only maximize that which we can manage. So if you want God to maximize what he wants to do in your life, what are you doing with what you got? Are you a manager of what you have? Are you setting goals? Are you eliminating excuses? Or are you thankful for what you have? You can't keep complaining that you don't have enough. And what you fail to, listen, what you honor and you're thankful for will increase in your life. What you fail to appreciate will exit your life. We see it in marriages. He didn't appreciate me. She didn't appreciate me. We see it, whatever it is in life, you, you plug in the, you fill in the blank. But whatever it is, if you appreciate it and you're thankful, it grows. If you don't, it exits. So do I, am I thankful what I got? Am I managing the present? Am I listening to God's voice? Which leads me to the third and final principle. Number one, am I trusting God initially at the beginning, my tithe? Am I, am I stewarding wisely? I know we don't come to church to hear about budgets, but we want the blessing. There's no blessing without a budget. Okay, our life in our church and our ministry and our finances have went to a whole nother level, specifically the past six months, because we've been managing money differently. We've always given money away. Uh, last week, I was telling them in the first service, last week we had the honor of bringing a single mom on stage. She had no idea what she was there for. She came for the first time to our church a few weeks prior and got baptized on the first Sunday. She found out the reason she hadn't been coming. She's watching online. And the reason is because she didn't have a car. So we surprised her with a new car, not a new car, it was new for her. And we gave her a car, surprised her with it last week and said, by the way, we're also taking care of your gas for a whole year. We're also taking care of your car insurance for a whole year. So we've always been givers. I don't know how many cars we've given away, how many ministries we've blessed, but, but we've given money away, but we've been, we've always been integrous with what we've had but just not as budgeted and 
I mean, they're making fun of me now because I squeak when I walk. I don't we, don't, we don't, we don't spend a penny now without, do we really need it? I mean, are we going to go under if we don't get it? You know, and, and I'm telling you, God honors that stuff. And hundreds of thousands of dollars we've been able to put back in reserves now because it's there. We've just had to manage it differently. How many know if you always do what you've always done, you're going to always get what you always got? So, steward wisely. And number three, giving sacrificially. Giving sacrificial giving is the key to it. But don't check out now. I'm about to share with you something that, that truly happened in our lives. Sacrificial giving is the key to abundance. God always responds, don't miss this. God always responds to sacrificial giving. And he always pays back with interest. God never meets a need. Now thank God there are times that you get just enough, right? But his ultimate purpose in your life is not to meet a need, it's to exceed a need. Anytime I give my finances to the body of Christ, it's a loan. Touch somebody and say it's a loan. Now, I give it with no strings attached, but God says, you don't give money to me, you loan it. That's why he said, I, he that lends to the poor shall never lack. Not gives, lends. Give and it shall come back to you, but not just come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's why Joseph of Arimathea's didn't give his tomb for Jesus to be buried in, he loaned it, right? That's why the little boy with five loaves and two fish, when he gave it sacrificially, he went home not empty-handed, but with 12 basketfuls left over. Because when you're a sacrificial giver, you never give to the body of Christ. It's a loan that God has promised to pay back with interest. Same as somebody, if you know what I'm preaching. I lived this out a few years ago. I'm done. I want to finish with this story and then I'm done. 18 years ago, I came to Forney, Texas, right up the street. I mean, nothing was there. Metal buildings, warehouses, Dairy Queen and McDonald's. That was it. And that's what we had for dinner every night for the few years. I mean, it was nothing there. My launch team was me and Leanne and my four-year-old, three-year-old, and 11-month-old. I'm not playing. We used to move stuff into school, and I could still see my little four- and three-year-old dragging little kids' stuff into the nursery and helping us set up. We, it was worse than starting with nobody. We started with three kids, and we had to take care of them while we were trying to say, oh, hello, I'm glad you're here for the first time. I mean, it was a train wreck waiting to happen. But God somehow breathed on it. I mean, we, we went, and I remember our first Easter Sunday of 2005, we had 57 people. Half of them was Leanne's family from Carrollton and Farmer's Branch. It felt sorry for us. The next Sunday, 39. The next Sunday, 27. The next Sunday, 17. Now, I had just left a student ministry in Longview where we had 2,674 kids on one night. And, 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 I, and I'm doing good if we have 20. I'm talking about if somebody's pregnant, we're prophesying twins. I mean, we're calling, we're, we're claiming everybody there, kids and all. And I remember the summer of that first year, it got really bad. And I, and I remember for me, I'm not telling you to do this because I believe in savings accounts, but I was having a pity party. How many of you have a pity party? The only one shows up is you and the devil, right? God's not into pity parties. And I was driving around out in Terrell, Texas, saying, God, I've given you everything. And I'm sitting here and I'm lucky if I got 50 people on a Sunday, kids and all. And, you know, you know, what are you doing to me? 
And God reminded me, he said, you haven't given everything. You got $3,000 and a CD just in case this don't work. And again, nothing wrong with that. I believe in savings. I have savings. I have reserves. For me, though, it was something I was holding on to because I wouldn't fully trust him. And I called Leanne, my wife, and I said, baby, I, I really feel like we're supposed to give this. She said, this is her words. She said, it can't hurt. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was terrible. I gave it, and I thought I was going to get a standing ovation from the heavens. I thought God was going to be like, oh, he's so spiritual. You know, I, and do you know within 30 days, my wife was having optical migraines. They did a spinal tap, and the particular hospital didn't plug her uh, brain right. She was literally flu draining fluid off her brain. We almost lost her. This is right after I gave everything. Nobody's going to give anything now, are they? I'm just telling you. I'm not trying to tell you, you give today and you're going to get tomorrow. We don't give to get anyway. We get to give. Within a few weeks, this all happened in a couple months, what I'm about to tell you. Within a few weeks, my little girl, my three-year-old's in the backyard playing and got bit by a snake. She survived. House caught on fire. My whole kitchen blows up. The next day, the engine on my pickup blew up. I felt like a country music song, y'all. It was awful. It was terrible. And I'm sitting there like, this person would have hired me as a youth pastor. This person would have hired me. This person. And, and I got people all over the country that wanted to pay me big bucks to be a youth pastor. And I'm sitting here in Forney, Texas, and nobody knows who I am. And the people that know I'm here don't want me here. I mean, it, it was just awful. And what I'm about to tell you is the authentic truth, no exaggeration. December, I told Leanne, I said, we got to move out. And we gotta rent this house out to somebody and start getting some money coming in. She said, well, that's great, but where are we gonna live? And I said, well, we're gonna, we're gonna ask God to show us. So I drove around out in Terrell, Texas again, and I found a house on three acres and I made a stupid offer. I mean, I, I cannot believe the guy took it. He, he, he literally cussed me at first. Like, like we went back and forth for a couple days. Make a long story short, he sold me that house. Within five weeks, I sold that house, like I bought it, we moved in it, sold it five weeks later and profited $63,000. $63,000 profit, and I'm not a real estate guru. I'm not, I'm not. Gave most of the money to the church because we needed it. We were the church, you know, and we needed to keep moving. Then I started a health club out in Crandall, Texas. I've been in the health club industry all my life. I know you wouldn't notice it, know it, but I, at one time. <laughs> and uh, I, I started a health club from nothing in Crandall, Texas. Within three months, had 500 members. We sold it because I was called to be a preacher, not a health club owner. So we, we sold it, did, a, did very well, made a lot of money, gave it to the church. I'm not being arrogant. There's a reason I'm telling you all this. I gave it, gave it, gave it. Sometimes it wasn't so much because I was felt generous as much as almost like keeping a business open, you know? I mean, there was nobody there. And I was driving one Monday afternoon over to a church in Carrollton, Texas. And I was feeling beat up because I had bill collectors calling me and I wasn't able to provide for my family. But if I'd have had all that money back, I'd already had two or three homes paid off. 
And I'm sitting there trying to figure out how I'm going to keep my family survived. I got to that conference and we were in the altar, mega church, and a guy named Tudor Bismarcks, I don't even heard Tudor Bismarcks, Tudor Bismarcks prophesied over Lee and me. We have the video recording of it. I wish I could show it to you today. And he said these words. He said, and he said it on the microphone, live day star and everything, you know. He said, God calls you to sow a seed, my best tutor impersonation, okay? It wasn't a seed, uh, it wasn't a loss. Now, back up. He said, you lost some money. He said, it wasn't a loss. Because I'm sitting there thinking how much money I've lost. I didn't really lose it. I just, he said, it was God calling you to sow a seed. This was October. He said the week before Easter breakthrough. You gotta be, you gotta be dead on. October, Easter. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I walked away thinking, yeah, we're right, whatever, breakthrough. You know. <laughs> I I am that cynical guy. I'm just being honest. I'm a confession. I feel like I'm an AA right now. I'm I mean, just I get bitter easy. <laughs> and I'm just and we go home. The Monday before Easter, I'm standing in my man cave at my house in Forney, Texas, and a man that owned the building we were renting called me up, and he said, Preacher, he said, I see you're getting full down there. I said, Yes, sir. And he said, You need a bigger building. And I said, Yeah. And he said, Well, I know a furniture store about to go back to the bank. And I said, Well, man, that's, that's awesome. I said, But his name was Red. We called him Red. I said, Mr. Red, I said, I'm a non-denominational church. I'm young. I don't know how many banks. I mean, literally, literally over a hundred banks had told me no, by the way. He said, son, I am the bank. I'll finance it to you. Gave me a generous interest rate. And he gave me $300,000 on a handshake. A few weeks later, he gave me a hundred more because that 300 went fast in the parking lot. Still needed a half a million dollars to move in the building. Here I am again, feeling sorry for myself. Driving to a conference, same church. And this pastor was live all over the world, raising money for a couple about to go start a church in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm thinking it must be nice. Just being honest. Where was this guy when I was trying to start a church? I mean, I, I'm sitting there and the Holy Spirit convicted me and he said, what would you want people to do if you and Leanne were up there? I said, I won't give I went to that conference with $12,000 to my name. Church and ministry. I mean, personal and ministry. $12,000. Pastor Joel knows all these stories. $12,000. I stepped out and called my CFO and I said, I believe God's wanting me to give 10,000. He said, this, I, this is what I told him. I said, this is either gonna sink us or it's gonna be great book material one day. It's in my book, Dream On. I went to the church the next Sunday and I said, church, I don't know how God's gonna come through. I told him what I did. I said, but come back next Sunday and I'll tell you how he did it. I don't know if I believed it. My knees weren't knocking. They were missing. I was so nervous. Little did I know I had a guy on the second row 
in a sanctuary size about this big. Those columns, I mean, very small room. Staring me down the whole time I was preaching that morning. I'm like, what is this guy's beef? Later that night at a men's event, he asked to speak to me. He said, Pastor Richie, I, I really feel like you don't know me, but I, I feel like I'm supposed to help you finish that project down the street. You're trying to finish the building. We needed a half a million dollars. We needed 98,000 that week. We had in invoices that were due. We had zero. You know, now we had 2,000 because I'd give 10. 98,000. My wife didn't even know that. Me and my CFO were the only ones that knew that. The next morning at Olive Garden in Mesquite, Texas, a complete stranger gives me $100,000. Within 30 days, he gave 100 more. Now the church's faith, I couldn't wait to get back that next Sunday and tell them what's going on. The church came unglued, man. Their faith started. We had a million dollar, I say we had it because we sold it and moved to a, a bigger place now. But, but we, a million dollars out of pocket, debt free, we paid for a remodel to God be the glory. Because sometimes you have to step out to find out. Then during a COVID year, we say we're going to build God a new house. 40 acres of land, prime real estate, 50,000, right at 48, 50,000 square foot building. COVID, and then the year after that was probably worse on the economy. 20 and 21 were tough. And Leanne and I stepped out and said, we're going to give the first 100,000 of our personal. That we didn't have, but I pledged it. I committed it. Within three months, God paid our house off, y'all. I'm not telling you he's going to do that every time. Remember, at first, my girl got bit by a snake. At first, my wife almost died. But if you'll stay in faith and not quit. So we gave it. House gets paid off. And we moved in that building a little over a year ago. And we saw $7 million above and beyond our tithes and offerings come in. I'm not talking about financing. I'm talking about how it came in to our church above and beyond tithes and offerings in a COVID year in 2021. Why? Because if you will give sacrificially to the work of God, it's never a gift. It's a loan. And he's promised to give back good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will you stand on your feet all over this room? I wanna pray for everybody in this room. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know everybody's story. You know everybody's situation. But God, you promise that you're no respecter of persons. You're a respecter of principles. And Lord, I pray that we would not move on emotions, but we would move on principle. We would move on this book. We would know, God, that if we step out, you're a God that can be trusted. And in the name of Jesus, all over this room at 1240, I know I've went a little late, but you're in this room and you say, Pastor Richie, I'm ready to do it God's way and see God's results. Raise your hand right there where you're at. I want to pray for you. I'm, I'm not going to call you down or that, but raise your hand. Raise that other hand as an act of surrender right now and say, God, no more my way. No more my way, only your way. I choose to trust you initially. I choose to trust you before. I will win the war before. I will trust you initially at the beginning. God, I'm going to steward wisely the best of my ability. I want you to know that you can trust me to steward wisely.
And God, in the name of Jesus, I choose to trust you and I will obey you and give sacrificially. As your voice speaks to me, my sheep know my voice. As you lead me, as you guide me, as you direct me, I will step out. And God, I thank you that you're prospering me right now. God, I thank you. Come on, raise both hands to heaven right now. God, you're prospering me. My health, my wealth, my marriage, my finances, <laughs> my children, favor at work, favor to influence. This is not a money message. This is a call to a higher place of living, a higher way of living. Your marriage can live again. Your family can be restored. Your body can be healed. And we don't buy it with our money. We buy it with our faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. In the name of Jesus, all over this room, you see these hands, Lord. Now I want to do something. I want to do something. I told you at the beginning, you're going to have a chance to get a free copy of Principles of Godly Prosperity. It's not a drawing until they run out, because I did this a couple weeks ago, and we had one lady gave me $1,000 for one book. She said, I'm not sewing in. I'm sewing in to that message. By the way, don't do that. Give to this house. So we don't have many left, but while they last, you can't buy it. But if you will go back there to that table, and everybody's not going to wait, the ones, that, the ones that mean business will. And if you'll put your name and phone number, this isn't a gimmick, but our pastor has already, he wants more for you than from you. And Pastor Joel has, is already buying the books from me. I'm not trying to get any from you. He believes in you. And if you will sign up saying the next three months, I'm going to do it God's way. Now, that's about the little 90-day challenge that we all have on our websites. Tithe for 90 days and God will meet your need. I'm talking about for the next 90 days, you're going to tithe and trust God initially. You're going to steward wisely. You're not just going to tithe and say, man, that didn't work. Okay? And then number three, you're going to give sacrificially as God leads you. And here's my challenge to you, because I know, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. My challenge to you is if God doesn't blow you away with glory stories like I just shared with you. I'm not talking about just meet your need, your little dabble do you, you know. I'm talking about blow you away over the next 90 days. You're going to get all of your money back that you've given to this church. And you're going to get, you're going to be able to keep the free copy of the book. That's how much I know that I know. But the enemy wants to use fear, negativity cynicism complacency well I, I do that yeah I do that no you're intentional about it now you can live life accidental or intentional by design or default but winners champions happen to the world for the world happens to them and and so I want to challenge you I don't get anything out of this I don't get a cut Joel don't get a cut in fact, I'm, selling, I'm not going to make money off my friend. I'm literally selling these books to him for $5. I'm, I'm literally, he's paying me what it costs to print them. And your pastor's investing in you. 
your life is about to go to a holy another level. In the name of Jesus. You thought your marriage was hopeless? It's not. You thought your children were so far lost? that it, They're not. You thought your finances were always gonna be like, we'll always be trying to catch up and pay. The, but no, 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 no. In the name above every name, I bless you. And may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance to you. And may the Lord cover you with his name and prosper you and bless you in every way. In Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Love you so much. Your pastor will be back next week.